My name is Thad, and uh, excited to walk you through this part four of the By Faith segment of our Romans journey. So uh, catch you up. Maybe summer has been amazing for you, and you've been enjoying travel and uh, haven't been present. That That is no worries, because uh, we basically are breaking up Romans into a bunch of series. We're in the second series. Each message stands alone. Um, but I'll, I'll just give you a quick synopsis. And if you're curious and you want to catch a message, Ed shared about the app. And there's a message archive there. There's a message archive on the website. Or you could go straight to uh, podcast if you want, if you use an Apple device. So uh, we're in Romans 6 today. But what we've been looking at is uh, we, we started with a series called The Gospel. It's for broken people like you and me. And we looked at the reality in Romans 1 through 3 that we're all broken. And in fact, it's that brokenness, it's the cracks in our life that let the grace and the love of God get into our world and, and become very tangibly real to us. And interesting thing, I do like watching TV and movies and stuff. So, uh, you know, sometimes I'm teased for the amount of references I give of movies. But I was watching the latest series of The Bear Grylls Show, which is, what's it called? Running Wild. That's right. I knew my daughters would know because they're the ones that made me watch it. Okay, he had an episode. The first one this, of, of this current season of, of Running Wild, he was uh, taking... Uh, Nick Jonas out into like sub-zero degrees, and they were out in the wild and having to eat worms and stuff like that. This is cool stuff, you know, dead birds, worms. It's, it's a solidly entertaining. But one of the coolest things during the course of that episode is he talked with Nick because they had like a band break up and just dealt with a lot of things in their life, and he said word for word, you know, he was talking, and he's a Christian, Bear Grylls, and he was like, sharing with him about the reality that it's the cracks in our life that actually help us see and experience the love that can be poured in. And you're like, oh, my word, that's like our whole first series in Romans. He just like summed it up. And so uh, it's solidly entertaining if you want to watch that. I'll give him a free plug. They don't give me any kickback. Anyway, our second series we, we kicked in at the beginning of Romans 4 was uh, it's kind of this by faith series is a little bit of Sunday school on steroids. And uh, because... We're looking sometimes at, at like words like justification we hit on in, in Romans 4 because uh, justification is so important to, to grasp and it's what Paul's kind of turning the corner and looking at as he authored this book, helping us understand as he's addressing these audiences of Jewish law-abiding followers and Gentiles that have never followed God in their life, all of a sudden experiencing Jesus. And the Jews want the Gentiles to behave like Jews. And the Gentiles are like, do we have to behave like Jews? And he's helping them sort these things out. And one of the things he hits on is, is the reality that, hey, the moment you place your faith in Jesus, you're saved, you're justified, you're whole. It's instantaneous. You don't have to go out and do this practice or obey this law or that. You're saved. But then, as we're going to look today, and as we kind of looked at last week through Romans 5, 6, and 7, really you turn the corner from justification to sanctification. And this word, we've kind of introduced it, but the reality of sanctification is 
It really is the next step. It's the process of becoming holy or righteous. It's, it's this journey now we called faith, right? Growing in a relationship with Jesus, becoming more like Jesus. So that's what now Paul is going to unpack for us and help us understand how do we do this? Being a follower of Jesus who is growing and, and becoming more like him and, and, and even kind of by default, you'll still have a roller coaster, we'll mess up, we're going to hit highs and lows, but how do we then turn our eyes back on Jesus and pursue him wholeheartedly? And that's where we came up with our, our big idea out of Romans 6, which will all come together in a second, but it's by faith we're slaves to righteous living. By faith we are slaves to righteous living. Now, we just sang about freedom, and we just sang about the Holy Spirit, and, and the reality is we're reading about it, and we're reading here in the, in the text of the Scripture about being free and the relevance of, uh, of the freedom we have in Christ just by faith, and, and then we introduce this subject called slave. It can catch you as like this double standard or opposite or like what like it just makes you tilt your head and go huh right it all of a sudden sounds like by faith i'm now owned or by faith now i'm uh, totally subservient or i'm not free but yet the reality is we are free from sin and now we're free in life and we're free in christ but slaves Let's make some sense of this. I think Jesus taught it well in Matthew 11. We're going to read verse 28 through 30 here. It says, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. The yoke that Jesus is referencing here would make total sense to the people he's teaching. People he's teaching understand because they have oxen and they're moving heavy things and they're plowing up the land with these oxen that you connect two oxen with a yoke. It's the thing that connects the two animals. And Due to them being connected, they can pull heavier weight. I grew up in Rochester, Washington, in a little area actually called Gate, next to the Capitol Forest, on a 365-acre farm. And most of it was pasture, and we, our house was tucked right up against the trees, and we would make an incredibly large garden. Now, I'm starting to garden at my age, I'm so young right now. But anyway, I'm starting to garden just like my parents did, but not in the way they did. See, we had two draft horses, Chubbs and Nipper. I have no idea why we named them that. May or may not have been cold when we named the second one. But anyway, uh, Chubbs and Nipper, we would pull them, uh, or the, I would say they would pull like plows and discs and grates, and we would prepare the land. Like, Literally, we were not Amish. 
But we just did things the old way. You know, we go to Pioneer Farms with kids like on assemblies and stuff in school, and I'm going, wait, this is how I grew up, you know? Um, this is weird because they're like learning about hundreds of years ago. This was not hundreds for me. We got our water from a stream. It was weird. I'm telling you, I, I made it. <laughs> I don't know how. No car seats. I mean, how do you put a car seat, right, in a horse and buggy? But moving on, we didn't travel by horse and buggy. So, But we would plow, literally we would plow the land. And I realized at a really young age that how hard it was to get the reins on and to, to yoke the horses together and harness them up and get them to plow a straight line. And yet, just how strong they were, you'd think, man, two horses could do twice the work, but that's not the case at all. One horse can pull, like a draft horse, can pull 8,000 pounds, where two can pull three times as much when they're yoked together. So 24,000 pounds. That's just the reality of working as a team. And when you discover that, and Jesus is looking at teaching that to those who are following him, he's saying, hey, if you will be yoked with me, uh, Jesus is here, you're here, and we're yoked together, your weight, your life, the things that are heavy in your world become naturally lighter, and you can do three times as much because now you're with Jesus. That's what's being taught. So although you feel like you're shackled and harnessed and a slave, you're actually free from the heavy weight and the burden bearing on your own. So we have this reality of this illustration with the oxen, and we go, there's heavy things in our life. And Jesus is trying to tell us, hey, become my servant, become my slave, if you will. Yoke yourself with me, and what is heavy will become light. And our weeks can get heavy. I don't know if you've experienced that. But I think we can totally describe our lives as, you know, self-prescribed heaviness, obviously. Like this week, I was, there's oftentimes, really the last couple weeks, I'm like, I really need to be in two places at the same time. Like literally. Um, how am I going to do this? And you, and you become stressed and you become like overwhelmed and, and you just go, how are we going to pull this off? And, and I think we make choices in our life that, make our lives crazy, and we have no margin left, and we go, oops, I put myself here. Well, Jesus is saying, remember me. I can help lift the weight. I can help lift the weight. And so that's what's being communed. Jesus is saying, he's communicating to us, put my yoke upon you. Become my servant, and let's face life together. And Paul is coming back and reminding us of this. Paul is coming back and circling back to Jesus' teaching and saying, hey, remember that we're supposed to have this light weight, this light burden. Don't put Jews, he's speaking to the, the Gentiles and the Jews, and he's saying, Jews, don't put this weight on the Gentiles. Don't you remember Jesus said, become my slave, and it, like your weight will be lighter. And so this teaching kicks in. In Romans 6, 1. It says this. Well then, 
Should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. Since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in it? Or have you forgotten that when we were joined with Christ Jesus in baptism, we joined him in his death? For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. What does it mean to be a slave to righteous living? Our first thought is living the new life. Living this new life. Man, something I, I just want to remind you of, probably don't say it enough, but it's at the key. It's like a, an undercurrent assumption oftentimes with open life. And uh, no matter what campus you're at or, or, or how you experience open life in the community, our reality uh, when we're serving, whether we're remodeling a teacher's lounge or we're serving school supplies, uh, unpacking them, or whether we're uh, in the community uh, doing Big Give or at a Bonnie Lake Days or whatever, or somebody walks in here, the reality of open life is we're not trying to do as the Jews were doing here. They were trying to make Jewish people out of Gentiles. And open life is not trying to make church people out of unchurched people. That's not our mission. Our mission is not to make churched people. Our mission is to help people grow in a relationship with Jesus. Now, that may have them experience church, may have them experience churched people, but our intent is not to make churched people. Does that make sense? And I think that's one of the concerns is like people will say, well, I'm not a church person. Great. Like that's not the goal. The goal is not that your family all of a sudden becomes churched family or like, you know, because people will say, well, man, my parents don't go to church. My grandparents don't go to church. Why in the world would I go to church? Well, that's, you're missing out on something if you haven't experienced Jesus. And I would love to introduce that life to you. Uh, it's not about making someone a church person. Well, why would I say that? Well, because this draw is here, our faith in Jesus is drawing. It's, people are curious. I talked to a family in the community that's like, man, I'm going to foster uh, kids because I've been watching what you're doing on your website. This family's never walked through the door or listened to a message at Open Life. But they're being impacted by our mission. What is that? Jesus is at work in their life, starting to stir the water of their faith. And our intent is to expose people to Jesus. And that's what we're talking about. It's this new life is so attractive. And we get used to the life we knew in this old life. And Jesus and Paul are talking to us here about this new life that's yoked with Jesus. And when we hear new life, we think about all the things church people do. And we try to make a list of all the things then that means we should do. And that's not the goal. The goal is a growing relationship with Jesus. Might result in the future in you doing more things that you read about in Scripture, but we're not in the behavioral modification business. It's a relationship. It's a process. Set aside your longing for a list of things to check off and look in the mirror and say, okay, now I'm a Christian. No. Faith in Jesus and start to grow. 
If you're connecting with God and each other on an increased basis, you're growing. If you're serving God and each other on an increased basis, you're growing. If you're sharing your life with God and each other on an increased basis, you're growing. It's that simple. That's why we say connecting, serving, sharing. It's pretty easy to measure. Well, why do I say that? Well, because that's sanctification. That's what Paul's teaching here. There's a new life to be experienced, not new rules. Now, that might be confusing, depending on the environment you've been exposed to before for church. But I'm reading the Bible here. We're, we're not, our goal is not to just replicate like old school church people. There's no drop down. There's no handout of, okay, if you, if you put your faith in Jesus, here's now all the things that we're going to watch you for. Man, we're going to watch your social feed online, and if you say something off this list that doesn't belong, we're coming after you. No, it's not what Jesus taught. Listen to the way it's expressed in Colossians 3. Verse 10, it says, put on your new nature. Be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and he lives in all of us. Since God chose you to be holy people, he loves. You must clothe yourself with tenderness, mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Make allowances for each other's faults. Forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ and all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Now, you could make a list out of that, right? But that's not his goal. He's like, man, all these things you see in Jesus, start to walk them out in increased measure. In increased measure. You're just bringing, or you're beginning a new life. You have been literally reborn and are new. Don't go back. Don't regress. Walk in this new life you've been gifted. I love the terms. As you learn, become like him, renewed, this is God's heart for us. Well, you can continue in verse 5 of Romans 6. It says this, Since we have been united with him in his death, we will also be raised to life as he was. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We're no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. Sin holds no power. Well, thought too of what it means to be a slave to righteous living, we are not slaves to sin. We are not slaves to sin. It holds no power. Faith in Jesus sets us free from sin. When we say yes to Jesus, when we choose to follow him and you're united with him in his death, it's almost like 
we take all the sins, all the ways we've offended God in our life, write them down on a piece of paper, and they were nailed right there alongside Jesus on the cross 2,000 years ago. They died. That's the old you. Don't hold yourself in the light of the old you. You are new. Next Sunday at the conclusion of the service, we're going to do a water baptism. And many people have expressed, man, I've started a faith in Jesus, and, and I think I'm ready for this challenge. And this section of Scripture in Romans 6 is actually where a lot of the doctrine or theology of water baptism, baptism's significance comes from. The reality is what he's talking about here is baptism. He's talking about when you go down into the water, you're symbolically dying with Christ. And when you are coming back up out of the water, you're raising to life with Christ. And that ceremony, like a wedding, is a public display of your confession of faith in Jesus. It's going public with your faith, as we say it here. And um, so uh, multiple people are coming prepared to be baptized. But my prayer is, if you've chose to follow Jesus and you've yet to ever be baptized, that you would do that. Because it's that moment where, man, yeah, I do want to identify myself with Jesus and experience what is being taught here in Romans 6 of uh, this new self. Now, is it the act of baptism that's saving us or making us new? No. Right? Justification says faith in Jesus alone makes us right with God. We grow in a relationship with Jesus. That's sanctification. But baptism is the symbol of what is going on on the inside. It's the outward symbol of what is happening in our lives. It's going to be a beautiful moment. We'll give a chance for people that just want to impromptu decide to, to join us, we'll have shirts and shorts and hair dryers and everything and towels and la 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 la. Right? So it'll be all good to go. But uh, I'm excited for that. Service is normal, but the conclusion, the response time, is in water. So it's going to be phenomenal. Not all of you don't come in your swim trunks or something, unless. Well, anyway. Uh, but it'll be really cool, and I'm excited about that because it's a celebration. It's a celebration of what is transforming. It's this new life. It's I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a slave to God. I'm a, I'm a Jesus follower. I'm yoked with him. We're no longer slaves to sin. Old life is crucified. And reality is sinning is a choice. And we can make choices to be the old man and make those same sin choices, but we can be forgiven and, and, and reunited with Jesus. We become good at getting back up because will, we will mess up. And this is where we desperately need what we sang about just a few moments ago. We need the Holy Spirit to help us follow Jesus, to help us through this sanctification process. And I took a, a, a quick shot of it, uh, the words of that, song that we were singing just grabbed a hold of me and uh you know we were talking about uh where my heart becomes free and my shame is undone in your presence lord speaking of the holy spirit there's freedom in becoming a slave of god isn't it crazy that song is so true 
Holy Spirit, you're welcome to help me along. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in me. The same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, is helping me grow in my relationship with Jesus. This is awesome news for you and me. We continue in verse 8. Romans 6, 8 says this, Since we died with Christ, we know we will also live with him. We are sure of this because Christ was raised from the dead and he will never die again. Death no longer has any power over him. When he died, he died once to break the power of sin, but now that he lives, he lives for the glory of God. So you also should consider yourself to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. So what does it mean to be a slave to righteous living thought three, we live for God's glory. That's our existence. Like our purpose is to bring God glory. That's kind of cool because I don't know about you, but there are times where you question your purpose in life. Well, there's one thing for sure that you know when you choose to follow Jesus, I'm here to bring glory to God. Like, I am here to make Jesus known, and the fact that he's full of love and full of life, and with him, there's so much to live for. With him. In close proximity to him, it says. With him. I love the terminology, with him. That's why we say we're present with community. Not just present in the community. No, we're with the community. We're active. We're present well, it's the same here. Are we present with, are we with Jesus? Are we yoked with Jesus? Or is Jesus just like, yeah, I know Jesus. Or am I yoked with Jesus? If I'm yoked with Jesus, Holy Spirit working in me, I'm going to bring a lot of glory to God because Jesus is always bringing glory to God. His Spirit is alive through us. We can bring glory to God in the way we do life. We can bring glory to God in the way we respond to positive scenarios and negative scenarios. We can bring glory to God in the way we parent. We can bring glory to God in the way we relax, in the way we celebrate, in the way we mourn, in the way we lead others to experience his love. We're a constant demonstration of the glory of God. Colossians 3.17 says, Whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Like you're the official representative. As followers of Jesus that are living for God's glory, we are representing Jesus with our new lives and the way we live them. There should be a visible difference. And in fact, it's fun to hear people go, man, something's just different about this person or that person or what goes on at your church because, man, this person just is different now. I love those conversations. They're growing in a relationship with Jesus. It's pretty simple. Are you living your life for God's glory? How are you representing him? Well, it continues in verse 12. Do not let sin control the way you live. Do not give in to sinful desires. Do not let any part of your body become an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God, for you were dead, but now you have new life. 
Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Sin is no longer your master, for you no longer live under the requirements of the law. Instead, you live under the freedom of God's grace. Well then, since God's grace has set us free from the law, does that mean we can go on sinning? Of course not. Don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey. So you can be a slave to sin, which leads to death, or you can choose to obey God, which leads to righteous living. A slave to righteous living. Final thought. Thought four. Being a slave to righteous living is a choice. It's a choice. We're utterly helpless. Remember, that's what Romans taught us. We're totally depraved. We're broken. We're messed up. We cannot do this on our own. Total depravity. It's God's continual grace that helps us live for his glory. It's God's grace that has set us free from sin, and it's by God's grace that we can have the freedom to choose to obey God. The Holy Spirit will consistently illuminate things in our life that we should choose to deal with for our benefit and for the benefit of those around us. It's like the other night. Uh, we made s'mores and had a bunch of people over. And make it. it was National S'mores Day on Wednesday, so we were making s'mores in the backyard. And, and the next day we came out in the evening, had a guest at our house, a missionary to Indonesia, and uh, we were dialoguing about just what she's doing in Indonesia and sharing some of our passions there and, and uh, hearing about her life. And it was really cool uh, to do it, but we went outside because it was nice out, right? And Dana stepped in a pile of chocolate. You know, you get chocolate outside on a 90-degree day and on the patio, and it was really gooey. And so she's like, and everybody else who walked, oh, watch out, there's some gooey chocolate there. And I was like, yeah, wow, there's gooey chocolate. Well, we had company. It would be kind of awkward to pull out the hose and start spraying right in the area we're sitting. So instead, every person that walked outside, we were like, oh, oh, chocolate, right? It came for like the next hour and a half. We're sitting outside, and we're like, oh, it's got chocolate. Kids would walk back the direction, chocolate. And it was like weird, right? I have no idea why we did this. Guess what? We went to bed late that night, woke up the next day, went and did everything we did, came back. Guess what's on the patio? The chocolate's still there, right? I mean, I could choose to deal with the chocolate, or I could just leave the chocolate and tell everybody about the chocolate and help them try to not be impacted by the chocolate, or I could just clean the stinking chocolate up. But here's the bad thing. It wasn't as warm the next day. So guess what? The chocolate was now hardened chocolate. It was now solid chocolate and part of the patio. And so you're going, well, what do I do now? You know, so now it was more work to clean up the chocolate than when the chocolate was soft. So I had to go boil water, and then I had to pour the boiled water on the chocolate. And then the boiled water gets to the grass. It's going to kill my grass. And if anybody's seen my lawn, I don't want any dead grass. Anyway, so I was just like, you know, so I'm at this, man, this chocolate. Well, that's just like sin in our life. You know, there's going to be a moment where somebody can identify or you're going to be able to identify, I've got sin here. 
There's, there's the sin. I really probably should deal with the sin. And you can choose to just leave the sin there and kind of help people around you deal with your sin and tell them, well, you know, yeah, it's just I have this sin, so just don't step in it, <laughs> you know. Or you could just clean the sin up. It's a choice. And Paul's showing us very clearly here, man, the Holy Spirit's going to illuminate the sin in your life. It's an opportunity when you're caught. It's an opportunity when you discover a weakness. It's an opportunity to deal with something God wants to heal in your life so that you can experience better life. Man, that's a powerful reality. Final section of text, and then I'll give you an action point. Verse 17 says, Thank God, once you were slaves to sin, now you wholeheartedly obey the teaching we have given you. Now you are free from your slavery to sin. You have become slaves to righteous living. Because of the weaknesses of your human nature, I'm using the illustration of slavery to help you understand all this. Previously, you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led even deeper into sin. Now you must give yourselves to be slaves of righteous living so that you will become holy. When you were slaves to sin, you were uh, free from the obligation to do right. And what was the result? You are now ashamed of the things you used to do, things that ended in eternal doom. But now you are free from the power of sin and have become slaves of God. Now you do those things that lead to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Deal with the chocolate, right? Paul's like, this is an opportunity. Praise God we don't have to live the old self and life, we live the new. Our action point today, do what is right. Pretty simple, right? If we'll just keep reminding, doing what is right is living righteously. We live righteously by faith in Jesus. That's where it all begins. And by God's grace, he'll illuminate and help us do the right thing after the right thing after the right thing. And we'll unpack it over the course of our entire life, this sanctification process. When we choose not to do what is right, we're continuing to live a life of slavery to sin, which is unfruitful. It's painful. It gives way to death. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. I want you to live life to the full. Not just now, but eternally. And that comes through Jesus. So maybe your move today to get closer to Jesus is to put your faith in him for the first time. Maybe today you're going to choose, okay, well, I guess I'll start using that version Bible reading plan that I said I was going to do at the beginning of the year. Use the catch-up feature and start over. Start growing daily in that relationship so that things can be illuminated in your life, which you'll be better off if you don't step in the chocolate anymore. And so will those around you. They'll be blessed by your life in its growing state. Trust me, the right move is Jesus and it's transformational. I want to pray for you. God, I pray right now for everybody in this room and the impact that your word makes in us. And man, Paul was repetitious in Romans 6. He's like, not a slave to sin, slave to righteousness. Not a slave to sin, slave to righteousness. Free life, eternal life. I hope we catch it today. I hope we make that choice to deal with things as you illuminate them.
but not to introduce ourselves to a new law and new rules. Just a, a full life of following you. I pray that, God, there would be those in this room that would choose to follow Jesus for the first time in their life today. That they would simply say, Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I want to follow you and grow in a relationship with you. And that journey would begin today. If they'd flip that connect card over, they'll check the box, I choose to follow Jesus. And we'll celebrate that. God, for others in this room, they're realizing, man, I've made that choice to follow Jesus, but I haven't even identified myself with the death and resurrection of Jesus and water baptism yet. And maybe they'll check the water baptism box and say, I'm coming next week, and I'm going to celebrate this new life. God, I pray whatever step is right for someone in this room. Maybe you illuminated something in their life this week and they're dealing with it and they know the chocolate's right there and they're pointing at it and they know they need to clean it up. God, give them the strength to do it by the power of your Holy Spirit. Thank you that you do that. We're not on our own here. And we give you praise that you walk along with us. In Jesus' name, amen.